0: it 's hard to discern that, Lord, is that you, or is that me, or is that the enemy planting seeds in my mind, or is that my selfish ambition coming out and and it 's hard because a lot of times, especially in Christian leadership, you know we want to uh, like if I release a new book or I want like, Lord, is this me, or do you really want me to do this and trying to seek god 's will in this area? And what happened is uh, this became a very important sermon, obviously. And it, it began to grow and grow and grow. And that's why you see part one up there. So part two is going to be next week because there are so many things I couldn't... Well, I guess I can take out, you know, if you're not in the Word, the Word won't be in you. And how to look to the Word for hearing. I guess you know most people already know that. No, that's important. And so I had to really just... Turn this into two messages based on Genesis 12. And then I believe uh, chapters 13 we'll be encountering as well coming up uh, in the weeks to come. And 14, we'll just keep going through Genesis. So we can put up Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, it's not, actually it's not yet Abraham, his name will be changed as we go, so I kind of forget that sometimes. The Lord said to Abram, just like Pastor Abram's name, Get out of your country. To a land that I will show you. Now, this has always stood out to me because that's not very clear. What about if God told you, hey, or Shane, or my family, or you, hey, uh, go ahead and and get out of of Lancaster, uh, California, get out of there, and I'm going to show you where you're going. That could be a little, you know, nerve wracking. You know, all of you would have in mind, oh, Texas, Idaho, Tennessee, Florida. No, he might say Maine. Oregon? Canadian border. And man, you gotta you gotta appreciate what those truckers are doing. That is incredible. And what people don't realize, that's a different breed of people. I just, I gave up my class A license. I used to drive the, the big rigs and things and heavy equipment. And, uh, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's about as American as you can get and, uh, a Canadian, I guess, as you can get and very patriotic, very, you know, just, it's a whole different, you know, as soon as I saw them, I'm like, okay, they're messing with the wrong crowd up there. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, but been praying for them as well. Um, Jim Garlow had on his show one of the truckers who actually started it. And he said, we had to go to the truckers because we couldn't find enough bold pastors. That preaches a sermon right there. If I ever spoke to pastors, I would highlight that. But he said, okay, I'm going to show you where you need to go. I will make you a great nation. And so we see God's sovereignty all over this. It's not like God looked down, oh man, this guy, Abram... Great guy, I think I'm going to use him. And he, he he was actually part of God's just sovereign plan. And it's one of those dynamics that we understand in, in Christian theology that's hard to really nail down is God's sovereignty in relation to our responsibility. Abram had a responsibility to obey. And so, when I'm going to lean on something, I always lean on God's Sovereignty. If you're gonna lean on one direction, lean, lean in, in, into his sovereignty. He knows what is best. I believe he orchestrates more than you are aware. Uh, with, um, could it be with, with Trump's loss and Biden that it, it is setting up that Ezekiel type of battle with Magog and Gog and you see Russia as part of that. And uh, they're not really threatened by the United States anymore. I can tell you that much we are we've lost that edge of being the superpower because of this current administration. Uh, it's laughable and but so you could see these sovereign things that people don't understand, but God is working behind the scenes and we have to remember it's not all about america god's main main place to to, to where everything takes place is that area of Israel. And so I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And for those of you who don't know, Jesus Christ obviously came from this this lineage of Abram and David, and it's interesting if you even look, um some of the, uh, the the lineage there is not really um what we would highly esteem. There's some there's some Rahabs in there. And and Jesus coming from that, and and God orchestrating all of this. But I wanted you to be aware of the first key that is so important. When it comes to hearing God's voice, I mean, obviously, we have to know it's a good choice. You don't just step out in faith and sin. But there is something where, Lord, I believe, you know, this has been on my heart a while. It lines up with Your Word. Um, I'm, I'm sensing it's You, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you're pleasing God, and... Lord I'm just get like for example when we started this church I'm just going to step out in faith because I trust you I trust you're going to guide me I trust you you are going to show me eventually and that pleases God I I I don't know if it's real pleasing to God or beneficial when we just sit at home waiting for that phone to ring uh, for example people praying I need a job I need a job will get off the TV and Netflix and go fill out some applications. Go, go, step out and well, no. If God really wants me to work, He's going to bring a job to my front door. It doesn't usually work that way, because it's hard to d- direct something that's not moving. I used to, as a l- young boy, I always remember my dad had a boat and it had one of the steering wheels, right? And I'm like, Dad, it's not going anywhere. The boat's just not going anywhere, right? We got to turn on the motor. And get it going, and so it's often that stepping out of faith, as long as it's and I believe God knows our imperfections and our weaknesses, and when we when we truly step out and say, Lord, I think this is You. It's a it's a good thing. It's a God thing. It's 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 beneficial, and I'm I'm not, but I'm stepping out in faith. I think God will help guide us and lead us in the right direction because He knows our heart. He sees that the heart is in, in, in really wanting to serve Him in this area. Lord, remove my my ulterior motives. Anybody ever have those? Remove my doubts and fears. And and so, part of hearing and obeying God's voice, and these keys are not going to be in order because sometimes they'll come first, other times they'll need to come come last, but faith is taking God at His Word and obeying Him. And it can be uncomfortable at times. He was to leave His family so I have the ellipses in there you'll see that a lot as I'm going through get out of your country leave your family God goes on to say a little bit more there in his word uh, but to just get right to the point that's the purpose of the ellipses there without losing the truth you get to the point point. and so he had to step away from his family and and often following God removes us from our comfort zone because we by default my flesh likes likes comf- to be comfortable We had to step out in faith with a 7 a.m. service. Correct? I mean, I'll just hope this isn't, you know, upset anyone, but we didn't know for sure if we should start it. Uh, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. We'll have to shut it down. Well, that would be embarrassing. And now obviously, you know, close to 100 people sometimes, that helps take away a lot of... The, the, the overflow from the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. and God, and what, also, what is, is God mad in heaven? Like, why did they do that? More opportunity to worship me? More opportunity for people that like to come in the morning? And that was a bad decision, Shane. I, I didn't see that either. And so that, that stepping out in faith, He shows us. And as you're, as you're moving, and what I found over the years is as you're serving, He begins to Open doors. But we want the, the, we, I want to do this. I, I want the, the, to be on the stage. I want to lead worship. I believe, and usually the worship leaders often start small and God grows them or pastoring, preaching. I was cleaning toilets at Hope Chapel 20 years ago. I didn't have no idea He was going to call me to this, but as we serve, as we serve, our gifting is, is highlighted. And people say, you know what, have you ever considered? This or that, you'd be a good person to, and, the, and, and people identify you. And that's what kind of shocks some people is we don't, often as a church, we don't appoint elders with our opinions alone. We watch who the people call elders, who they respond to, how they interact with the people. And we try to identify what God, He would be a good elder. That would be a good deacon. That person would be great in service in this area. And we watch as they're serving. And so as you're serving, that is a biblical principle, and then God begin can begin to, to, to steer you in a different direction. You have to be ready for that too. It's not often we go in the direction we want because it's again it's comfortable, it's easier. I remember when I stepped out in ministry and me and Morgan we were just you know married, and and I'm like, oh man, I don't I don't like I don't know if I want to talk to teenagers. That's the hardest group. They're distracted, and when you know it, for a year, I'm going to Calvary Chapel conferences or Forest Church conferences up in the mountains talking to youth, and wrote a book on what works for young adults. And and because it's not comfortable, that's a hard audience. They're not paying. Hey, 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 hey! Put it. Pay attention. Get off your phone. What are you What are you yawning for? What are you talking? What are you passing notes? You know, it can be. It can be, It's not. It's not a comfortable. It can be challenging. and But here's a point of interest I wanted to just bring to your attention. Do you see that last part? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in, all, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this could be a sermon in and of itself, but I wanted to talk about something that I think is important. That's why I called it a point of interest. There's a big part in the church, uh, that maybe some of you aren't aware of, and actually some people don't go here because we don't believe this. It's called replacement theology, and they believe that the nation of Israel has been replaced by the church. So there is no more, there's no longer a purpose for Israel. It was at Christ's death, burial, resurrection, the church now became the spiritual Israel has been grafted in. And to their credit, there are some good verses that get, can support that. However, as with all things, there's some verses that don't support that at all. So as a church, as an eldership team, we view the, that God has a plan for Israel and a plan for the church in just a normal reading of Scripture. Now I know there's people who go here who don't agree with that. And I understand that. We can still be brothers. We can still fellowship. We'll know eventually. Uh, But what happens too, it's not just they believe that. The reason they believe that is it has to fit a certain aspect of their theological framework. When you believe a certain way theologically, you have to then change other areas of that theology to make it all fit. Usually these people are in the reformed camp, reformed theology, and they embrace uh, things like all millennialism. And, and again, they've got one of my favorite preachers is Sam Storms out of Oklahoma. Believes in the Holy Spirit, gives the Holy Spirit. He's wrote an entire book on how Revelation has already taken place, and there is no millennial kingdom of Christ and coming up. And if you read his. His verses, his thoughts, very well thought out. I've got the book on my desk right now. And then you read another great theologian on the other side. Hmm, wow. wow, what am I supposed to do with this? So, what I do is I hold things that are not crystal clear loosely. And I want to argue over it because Hal Lindsey was saying in the 1980s, it's coming soon. It's coming, real. Chuck Smith was saying it. I mean, and we're still here in 2022. Who would have ever thought? so we just have to be careful uh, in this area and uh, and and they look at verses and sometimes they uh different groups even either side will spiritualize or because to make revelation really make sense there's some there's some allegory there there is some typology and if you know the old testament and you look see the old testament imagery and is the devil really going to be bound by a 1 inch thick chain no, because he's a spiritual being. So, you, okay, that, he's not going to be bound by a literal chain, in my opinion. Uh, a thousand year reign of Christ. Did you know if you study the Bible, the, the, the thousand years, anytime it's mentioned seven other times in the Bible, it's never literal? And so, they have great points on this. And, but because of that theological view, and, and I won't go into it now, but they have to really say that the church has now replaced Israel. And Justin Martyr was an early, uh, early believer in the early church. He said the Christian church is the true spiritual Israel. So a lot of the early church fathers believed that there, God no longer had a plan for Israel. And the reason they embrace this in covenant theology is what's called is basically, and they've got great points. If you do this, God said, I will do this. And Israel didn't do this. They didn't keep His commandments. They didn't follow Him. So He had to reject them in many ways. And so it's an interesting concept for sure. And for me, the early church fathers aren't who we look to for doctrine. We look to the Bible. And in my opinion, obviously they're going to think that because there was no nation of Israel anymore. Until, what do many of you know? 1948. Romans. God has not rejected Israel. You can read Romans 11, I believe 12, 13, that God has not rejected Israel. And we see different roles. The church began on the day of Pentecost and appears to have a distinct role separate from Israel. And I even look, even looking at the news, you can see, I don't think it's all just coincidence. And, and, well, that's interesting. I asked a a person who believes in covenant theology that once, well, look at what's going on with Israel. Look at this one world leadership possibility. Look at, you can't buy or sell. He goes, well, that's, you know, that's always happened. I don't, I don't know about that. Many scriptures about God's everlasting promises to Israel. I went on Google. There's there's a page of, of everlasting promises to Israel. 1948, Israel is declared a country. Then it was attacked. Did you know it was attacked by Iraq, Syria, Egypt, Jordan, and Lebanon and still remained a country? It was a very short war. And there's been articles written. It's, it's very interesting. Again, I don't take these things uh, as, as biblical truth because... Uh, Some things are coincidence, some things are God's sovereignty, some things are definitely true, but there was an article I remember some time ago, 10 times God has hit America with a major disaster after the U.S. attempted to divide the land of Israel. And it lists about 10 different things. Under Jimmy Carter, the worst nuclear power plant disaster in U.S. history. Under Bush, the storm traveled a thousand miles in the wrong direction and sent 35 away, slamming directly into his home. And they gives list after list, uh, President Obama, Madeleine Albright, remember her? Is that her, what was her name? Uh, yeah, Madeleine Albright, something like that. And so it's got all these things. Now, Obviously a person who's not going to change their theological view is going to say, well, that's just coincidence. That's interesting that that happened. But you can kind of see there's a pattern. If, if you begin to divide God's land and he hasn't called for that, he, he, he still looks at that as, as his, his, the apple of his eye, he's going to spank you. And so if I was a president personally, if I don't know what exactly Israel's, uh, what God's exact plan is, I would be very leery. Because you see becoming a nation, you see the epicenter of all conflict, uh, you see so many promises in, throughout the Bible that God will not cast away His people, that, that David will rule forever on his throne. Jesus is actually coming back to rule and to reign. And, and, and there's an application there. Um, and so we don't know. as prophecy. I want to have a night of prophecy at some point and kind of give you guys a little background of what's going on. Um, and a lot of people do say you know, that America is not involved In prophecy, because it's never mentioned. Uh, But neither is Australia, or Canada, or South America. Just because a nation isn't mentioned doesn't mean they're not involved somehow. But the epicenter, God's main focus, is there on Israel, Magog and Gog, and from the north and east, and how they're going to attack Israel. That's the main focus. So I wouldn't expect them to mention Alaska. Anyway, so that's just some extra things for you. And then verse 4. So Abram departed. So Abram departed. What did he do by departing? There might be a key there. So Abram, you could say so Abram obeyed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, people do ask how did he speak to them? How did he speak to Abram? Well, I will tell you, I don't know. But do you know have have ever have you have some of you heard you've you've Heard the voice of God before, I mean you know this maybe not audible blah, blah, but there's a there's a something as you're drawing close to him and that that deep calling it to deep, and the Holy Spirit just confirms something, and you know that God is really moving and speaking to you in an area. It could have been that it could have been uh, possibly an angel going to him where God actually did speak audibly we just we just don't know, I know all things what cracks me up about, about people is well God doesn't do that anymore how do you know how do God can do whatever he wants he can speak through a donkey he can have a well or a great fish swallow somebody and speak to the fish and throw him up onto dry land so Abram obeyed as the Lord spoke to him and lot went with him and Abram was seventy five years old when he departed. Be encouraged, older adults. He's just beginning at 75. And so instead of reading everything through Genesis 12, 10-20, through here's the overview. There was a famine in the land that caused Abram to go down to Egypt to dwell there. He lied and said that his wife was his sister. His wife was then taken to Pharaoh The Lord plagued Pharaoh because of it. Before he could commit adultery, God plagued Pharaoh because he wasn't aware. So He gave him a little opportunity of grace. And then Pharaoh said to Abram, Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you lie to me? And Pharaoh commanded that Abram and his family leave Egypt. I bet he did. And then Abram leaves for his final destination. God gets him to that place the promised land. This is where God is now going to work this incredible, incredible uh, history of not only Abram, but Isaac, Jacob, and getting eventually to Jesus Christ and His redemptive work. But I added something this morning. Early, Getting up early helps a little bit, doesn't it? He lied and said his wife was his sister. Hmm. What do we do with that? Do we just give him a pass? Uh, and I actually read some yesterday. I began to... Read it 's poor poor media team they want these slides like by friday and i i i 'm not done till Sunday morning, usually, and so I try to we change things around, but I looked at some just interesting what rabbis said, Jewish rabbis, and they would say Abram uh, definitely lied, he was in sin, and so but then you have other people I know Dennis Prager, if you ever listen to him on the radio, sometimes he has an interesting commentary i don 't he 's not a believer. Uh, Just like um, Ben Shapiro, and they're they're very Jewish, but they're not not believers. So interesting things, and of course you look at commentaries, and I mean that's between God and Him. But it did it did bring up an interesting question and thought to me. Even Abram, this great man of faith, had doubts. If we say you're my wife, when we go into Egypt, and she sees you're a hottie, can I say that? I forgot that I was talking to teens. You 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 they're gonna see you and the Pharaoh's gonna want you and he's gonna kill me. And they actually could do that. And he actually, believe it or not, God God's word, God's ways changed the whole course of history. Because now God says, be nice to the sojourner and the pilgrim. Welcome him into your home. But that was never if you if you look at ancient history. The out the foreigner was the outcast. Was they could kill them. They could do whatever they want with him. So Abram, that's a genuine concern. That is a genuine concern. Now, here's where I want to be careful. I'm not going to give anyone permission to lie today. Okay, especially the, our our the, because we have a we have our problem is not uh, telling the truth. Our problem is lying too much. And so I I hate to even go into this because. The liars in here are going to look for nothing here but listening elsewhere are gonna are gonna look for fuel but um they began I believe abram doubted what's going to happen it shows should he have just trusted God and said God's called me to be a to 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 be a great uh a patriarch and have like kids and and, and grandkids and great grandkids like the seas of the of the the sand of the seashore should I just Am I going to trust in Him? So, my encouragement to you was it's okay to doubt from time to time and really take those doubts to God. That's the key. And what I've found is in the life of many people and maybe yourself, doubt can actually sometimes reflect humility. Lord, I don't know. I'm not wise enough to think I got the answer down. I don't know. Can you show me? Can you help me here? versus not doubting a little pride in there sometimes now i'm not saying it's a doubt on everything i think it's good to be solid steadfast unwavering not double minded man but sometimes doubt comes in and it shows humility say lord i'm not sure what you show me and on that note of Dennis Prager i was reading he went to he spoke at an atheist convention in minneapolis Big atheist convention. He goes, so tell me, have any of you ever doubted that maybe maybe there is a God? Guess how many hands went up? Hmm. A little bit of lack of humility in that room. You ask a Christian church, I ask you, I bet every hand would go up not doubt that there is a god but have you ever doubted that lord is this really you but see how pride works not one hand you've you've never doubted. you've never seen a, a life a baby being born say what well, how did that happen from a man and a woman there's nothing and now here's this how did the, the, all this just happens you've never doubted that that the sun 93 million miles away is just the right out the distance not to Got to melt us and, but to keep us warm. I mean, you've never doubted that there is a God. Come on. But see the pride, the proud and the arrogant. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's been said that man's certainty is poison to his soul. Man's certainty has, is poison to his soul to not be flexible and teachable. Not on absolute truth that is well established, but in areas where we're not sure. So did Abram sin by not by lying? And again, I don't want to turn this into a sermon. Um, but when, in, when you're confronted with things like this, uh, you, you look at basically what are my choices? And we do see in the Bible from Rahab to David and from Abram to Samuel that sometimes people have not been forthcoming. Hmm. But let me define a lie first. It's the intentional communication of a falsehood designed to deceive someone who has a moral and legal right to know the truth. For example, was it okay for Corey Tamboom to lie to the Nazis? And you see where this is going. Uh, Actually, did you know God told Samuel to lie? Oh, 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 shame! wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God said, Samuel, go anoint King David. David is king. Go anoint him. Samuel says, I can't, because when I do that and announce that, Saul is going to kill Me." God said, then go tell Saul that you are just going to make a sacrifice for the people. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Because you have no obligation to tell murderous Saul the truth if it's going to harm God's people His way. There's a lady by the name of Irene. I don't want to give her last name. Uh, Back in the 1940s, she hid about 12 Jews in the house. She was a maid. She hid the Jews. And she was a maid for one of the commanders in Hitler's army. And once he he found them, he said, I'm going to murder all of them unless you become my mistress. And he was married. And she did. For a year or so until they could escape and get out. It's just very interesting, if anything, correct? So, in the state of our nation today, I'm very hesitant to even bring this up because everyone's looking for an excuse to lie these days. And I think it becomes obvious here. What Ab- I mean, so I'm going to leave it up to God and Abram. I don't know. What happened, but that's interesting to pull from that. And then we see again what happened here. The context is God was positioning Abram to fulfill his purposes. And then we can move to the second key, which is really important. Clarity comes from, let's all say that one. Live stream audience, clarity comes from obeying God. Many situations go on in the church in the course of a year. And I would say without a shadow of a doubt, without even guessing, the majority of confusion about God, about their marriage, about issues, and, and I'm just so depressed, I don't know. With Without a shadow of a doubt, it's often because the person is in disobedience. I would say the vast majority of people in the church who are having a hard time hearing from God, discerning his will are in disobedience. And it clouds their vision, it skews their judgment, and they they go through life kind of half-heartedly, like a double-minded man unstable in all their ways and what is God's will for this? What is God's will for that? And and they're living there's there's a sense of disobedience. Where they're not obeying God in certain areas, er- even if it's a little thing. I remember I was reading uh, D.L. Moody's book, and uh, I don't know, you know, there's different views on this, so I'll be careful to the language I use. But the, the, this lady, uh, they were praying over over people, and and, and this lady so de- desired a mighty filling of God's Spirit. They call it the baptism of the Spirit, this overwhelming power and presence of the Spirit. The Bible refers to it as be, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine as in dissip, dissip, dissipation? Sorry. There we go. Don't be drunk with wine. Let's just leave it there. And then <clears throat> be filled, contrary, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was wanting this, and he was preaching, and she was so convicted because what she had been ignoring God for so many years was on her looks. She had this nice hat. I guess hats back then were hats and her attire and and she just all of this and God has been convicted. You now get rid of that, humble yourself and no, no. And finally when she did that, the Spirit of God just mightily filled her. And I can give you list after list. People gave up something that God was convicting them. They they begin to obey in this area and God began to just fill them. And they we think of these big things. I'm not doing this and this. Yeah, but what are the little things? Unforgiveness. You know, there's been times I've came to church. God said, "Forgive that person and just hug them." And I'm like, nope, mm-mm. nope, nope, mm. nope, 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 nope. And the sermon is.